This is Pastor Bobby Andean. How do you pray over people? What's the most powerful prayer you can pray? To pray the Word of God. How do you pray for a carnal bunch of people? Paul's going to teach us this in the book of 1 Corinthians with the most carnal congregation of the New Testament. We're going to talk about the prayers of Paul. The most powerful prayers you can pray is to pray the Word of God. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy, and that's me, glad to have you here today. I'm gonna to start a three-day teaching on the prayers of Paul. And uh, if you really you wanna find some good prayers, go to the prayers of Paul, because Paul is probably the main one of the New Testament that prayed the Word of God. Things surrounding the Word of God, promises from the Word of God, doctrines from the Word of God actually became his prayer. Uh, we as Christians, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I believe in speaking with tongues. It's part of my everyday life before the Lord. And really, to be honest with you, the controversy that comes around tongues is when it's in public. And the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 that the only time it should be in public in the churches, maybe during a time of worship together when Christians come together, or a tongue to be interpreted, which is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But just the speaking with tongues, which is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, is for your everyday life. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all, but in the church. I'd rather speak five words of understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He was simply saying that 99% of your praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, is done in private. It's, it's part of your personal prayer life. It's your strength, but here's nothing too. It gives you the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and gives you better understanding of the word of God. It was said in the Old Testament in Isaiah 28, the opening scripture on being filled with the Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come on the day of Pentecost with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. When you begin to pray in tongues, God gives you revelation, understanding uh, things of your life, makes you closer to the Holy Spirit, helps you discern the voice of the Holy Spirit and really increases your guidance life, you know, astronomically. When you're first born again, yes, you can hear from the Holy Spirit, but not like you can after you're filled with the Spirit and start to pray in tongues, speak with tongues in your personal life. And this is what happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost. This man that just a few days before this backed down in front of a little girl three times denied Jesus three times and the third time even cursed. And man, he felt so bad when Jesus looked at him. I mean, I mean, he just ran and burst into tears and he was so regretted that day. But boy, by the day of Pentecost, when he spoke with tongues and came down, he had revelation out of the Bible he didn't have before. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm sure his brain was going tilt, tilt, tilt. I never knew that. He was getting revelation of the word of God that no one had gotten up until that time, saw a totally different aspect of that verse, which the verse actually speaks of the coming of Jesus to rule the nations and to rule the earth. But he saw that this was the beginning of the end time. It'll come to pass in the last days. And he realized something. This is the beginning of the last days. We are living in the end of the last days. But the same thing that happened at the beginning of the last days will happen at the beginning of the millennium, an outpouring upon all flesh, all believers. So he pointed that out. But anyway, he said the purpose of it was, again, uh, he did as well as Paul earlier speaking of the time when the Holy Spirit was given, that he would lead us and guide us into all truth and and show us things, things to come. So he shows us his promises, reveals his word, the understanding of his word, but he also can guide us into events in our life that aren't found in the word of God. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse one. And while you're finding that verse of scripture, today we're gonna to talk about a prayer for maturity. 
And uh, this is part of my series on the subject of prayer. And there's a special section in there on the prayers of Paul and how that Paul really is probably the master at taking the word of God and turning it into prayer. And today we're gonna talk about a prayer for maturity. But uh, again, while you find that verse of scripture, I just wanna speak to those that support the broadcast and those that listen to me and those that love the broadcast, love my teaching. Thank you so much. There's a heart connection before there's ever a physical connection where you actually give of your money, take your time to pray. And again, I thank you for those that just said them from the moment I heard this broadcast, this is what I, I kept waiting for something like this. Many others don't connect with it. That's fine with me. You know, I'm not here to please everybody, but there's a certain group that God has just simply said, this is a group that follows you and follows your teaching. Not that I'm a one man band, understand that, but I do have insight that other people don't have. They have insight that I don't have. But again, I want to thank those who are faithful followers, but also faithful supporters of me on a monthly basis. And, uh, you know, I trust that you pray in the Holy Spirit. I trust that you trust God each day and listen to what he has to say. And that he's already bore witness with your heart. You should be giving to this man's ministry. Because as I reach out, every time I reach out to a new station, this is what they get, the teaching of the word of God. Uh, my main teaching is not just to get a person saved, although I love to see people saved. My main teaching is on discipleship. I love to see people mature, grow up, become stable in their life simply because of the teaching of the word of God. If that really bears witness with your heart, would you become a partner with me on a monthly basis? Pray for me, but also give in the ministry. Whatever you give is between you and God as you purpose in your heart, or if the Holy Spirit gives you a certain figure, give it. I'm just simply, I'm not, not telling you what to do, how much to give. I'm just simply saying, would you become a follower? And that is a supporter of this broadcast. So go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on my website where you can become a partner with me. And I thank you in advance for hearing from God and being obedient. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse one says this. Paul says, be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Paul is probably next to the Lord Jesus Christ, the main ones we follow for the time of the New Testament we are here, wrote some two thirds of the New Testament and some of the deepest revelations of the word of God. Even Peter said, if you wanna to go to deeper revelations, go to Paul, because he says things hard to be understood. Well, yeah, they are in the natural, on the surface, but the more you study them and the Holy Spirit shows you, the depth becomes simple. And so what Paul is simply saying is here, I'm gonna lead you to Jesus, but after that, I'm gonna lead you to the word of God, because this was what the apostolic calling on Paul was not just to get people saved, but to also lead them into maturity. And God's prayer for us is for maturity. What God wants immediately after salvation is for us to go to his word. The object for the sinner is Jesus. That's what you believe in. The object of faith for the sinner is Jesus Christ, but the object of faith for the believer is the word of God. John 8, Jesus said to those Jews who just believed in him while he was preaching, many believed on him. And Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, now, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, the truth shall make you free. How many times we hear this phrase, oh, the truth will make you free. It's not the truth that makes you free. It's knowing the truth that makes you free. Just because you have a Bible in your house, seven translations of it, a big family Bible laying open on your table, doesn't mean that you are suddenly smart. You gotta get it off the pages, into your heart, get some discernment and understanding. He said again, that you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Turn with me to Acts chapter 18. We're gonna take a look at verses five through 11. 
where Paul first came to Macedonia after seeing the vision while he was at Troas. And a vision appeared to him in the nighttime and told him to come over. He saw a man from Macedonia in his vision saying, come on over here. And he went and he landed at Philippi. So again, we hit in verse uh, chapter 18, verse five through 11, we find again the importance of maturity, growing up and sometimes just the pressing into it because sometimes people act like they don't want it. Others do want it, but you keep on preaching it anyway because you know how necessary it is. It's kind of like when you take that baby, you know, and you stick that little first little bite in there of, of, you know, mashed peas, which I don't even like mashed peas, but you stick it in the baby's mouth, boy, it turns like this. No, you just keep doing it. Uh, a friend of mine said what he learned, he said early from his mother taught this, is he would take the, the, the peas and put it on the back of the spoon, stick it in their mouth, and then rub it on the, on the roof of their mouth. And they have to work it with their tongue and work it with their tongue to get it out. But you've already got it in their mouth. It's not a matter they can spit it out. It's inside. It's up there and they got to work their tongue on it before they can spit it out. And it gives them a taste for it. And after a while, they develop the taste for it. This is what the word of God is like. It isn't always pleasant. It doesn't always make you happy, cheerful, and joyful. Sometimes you just think about it. Hmm. I'm not sure. And it's like taking that and rubbing your tongue around on it. And after a while, you begin to realize, you know what? It's all part of the word of God. It's good for me. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Acts 18, five says this, when Silas and Timothy came to Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, directly led by the Holy Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now, some of them received and some of them were in opposition, verse six. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. Now I will go on to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered into a man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house was next to the synagogue. What happened was God just led him right next door. He wasn't on the synagogue, but there was a yard next to it that attached to it. And he went there in the house of justice. And it says in verse eight, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord. Notice this, even though he told him, I'm not gonna teach you anymore. He went over to this house next door and the chief ruler of the synagogue accepted Jesus as his savior. In other words, what God was saying is, no, Paul, don't tell them you will keep preaching them the word of God. You keep giving them the word of God and it paid off. Sometimes there's just this opposition as you say, well, people aren't receiving it. Well, hey, how great were you when you first got saved? Didn't you say some of the same things? Didn't you say, well, I don't know if I want to go to church today or not. I got a million excuses, a million reasons why I shouldn't be in church. And after a while, you had to shake yourself and understand what the word says. In other words, you just get going on your tongue on, you know, and, and, and taking those mashed peas from the word of God. And finally, after a while, developing a taste for it. And notice this, he went next door. God was simply saying, no, I'm just going to move you right next door. You're still going to minister to Jews, but you're all so going to minister to Gentiles. And so Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house and many of the Corinthians hearing believed. So now not only were the Jews getting saved, but also the Gentiles were getting saved. Why? Because he still kept persevering. He didn't walk out of town and going, ha, I'm not coming back here ever. He didn't let it get to him, or at least the Holy Spirit told him, don't let this get to you because there's people in this city that need to know Jesus. It goes on to say in that verse eight at the end of it, the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. And the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Don't be afraid, but speak or continue to 
be speaking and don't hold your peace for I am with you. No man will set on you to hurt you for I have many people in this city and he continued there for a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. What we have here again is what God is simply saying. Pastors, those of you who are watching, don't give up. I know sometimes your congregation looks at, like, at you like, what planet did you land from? When you teach commitment, they look at you like, no, I run my own life. And you're trying to tell them, no, you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, but you also accept him as your Lord. And you need to commit to him what you promised to him when you accepted him. And that is you'll continue in his word. You, this salvation is not just to get you inside the door. It's not just a get out of hell policy. No, it's not only get out of hell. It's get out of immaturity and grow up to be a stable Christian in the life. And here's where we come to the Paul's prayers. And we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How did Paul pray for carnal Christians? Boy, I'm telling you what, it's interesting. These types of prayers that are found in Corinthians were for carnal Christians. And yet the world is full with them. Churches are full with them. But you just keep preaching until somebody catches on to this thing, begins to grow up, and you'll never get the whole congregation into maturity, but you still keep preaching the word of God. So you are not held accountable. The people are held accountable. First Corinthians chapter one, we'll read verses one through three, then, three, then we'll go into the half time, we'll go into break. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is a Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, that means called to be holy, with all those in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says, first of all, grace be to you. Grace does not stop at salvation. The same grace that gave you Jesus Christ is the same grace that gives you the word of God and both are received by simple faith. See you right after the break. In Ephesians 6:18, the expanded translation says, praying always at all times with all prayer, different kinds of prayer, and supplication, that is praying in the spirit. The prayer flash drive presents a biblical explanation of each type of prayer found in scripture, including praying in the spirit, binding and loosing, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, and many more. The flash drive also includes a series on the power of prayer, and the prayers of Paul. In studying the prayers of Paul, you will learn that Paul rarely prayed for his own needs. He mainly prayed for others, especially for believers. The prayer flash drive contains 37 MP3 audio lessons by Bob Yandian, a topical study on prayer. To order the prayer flash drive, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. 
Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Look with me again at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to re-emphasize, re-emphasize verse 3, where Paul says to those that were sanctified, given their lives to Jesus Christ, now it's time to grow up. He says in verse 3, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he didn't say grace be to you to a sinner. He spoke it to brand new believers. Then he went on to say peace. In the word of God, grace always comes before peace. By understanding grace, you have peace. Understanding grace, you realize it's not just up to me. I do my part, God does his part. I do the easy part. I study the word of God. God does the hard part. He starts to break down these barriers inside of me, my old ways of thinking, and replace the mind of Bob with the mind of Christ. This is what discipleship is all about. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 while you're there. Go down to the next uh, three verses or four verses, verses 4 through 7. And Paul says here, I thank my God always on your behalf. For the grace which is given to you by Jesus Christ, the grace is salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith, but also growing up is by the same thing. The grace of God gives you the word of God and by faith you receive it. Verse five, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Now's the time to move on to living it, understanding it, and speaking the word of God to those around you. Verse six, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have here that Paul is saying to the Corinthians, he says, I want you to come behind in no area, but that doesn't come because you just get saved. Getting saved introduces you and gets you into the door. The new birth is exactly that. It's a birth, but you're born as a spiritual baby. And Peter points this out as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God. After that, we grow into the thing of the meat of God. First Corinthians mentions the meat of God and Paul's other epistles, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, all deal with maturity and growing up. Paul is not just a disciple to see people saved, although he saw people saved. His Listen, the other 95% of his ministry was grow up, grow up, grow up, and that's what the epistles are about. And really, what God wants is not just believers in the earth. He wants mature believers. He doesn't want converts. He wants stable Christians in the earth, and stability comes by understanding the word of God, renewing the mind. For That's Romans chapter 12. So he says here again in uh, these verses, especially in verse seven, so you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is simply saying the whole Bible is here. You have a lifetime, and even if you studied all day long, you'd still only scratch the surface. And there's ways you see the Word of God think, oh, I just saw it, but you know what? Somebody else sees it in a little different light, and by hearing other ministers, you say, well, I never saw that in that verse. That is incredible. And suddenly revelation comes because every scripture is like a beautiful diamond. The facets of it, as you hold it up to the light of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you begin to see different facets of the Word of God. After Paul left, this is after leaving in Corinth, our divisions erupted, envy, strife, all these different things. And that's in chapter three, verses one through three. The church services became disorderly. The communion became a, a common meal. 
and people are actually getting drunk on the communion service and eating and turning it into a big meal. And it was never designed to be that. The small elements that are given to you are to remind you of a bigger meal that God gave you. And that's the entire Christian life, which came through the shed blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the communion became a common meal. Members of the church were suing each other. That's chapter seven. Gifts of the spirit dominated the church service to where there was hardly any time for preaching. And the Paul had to bring out in chapters 12 through 14 and especially 14, orderliness in the church service. Let everything be done decently and in order. Sexual problems were being overlooked and ignored. Chapter five of 1 Corinthians, the man that was actually sleeping in incest with his stepmother. I mean, the church had problems everywhere. And you look at that, you almost want to do what Paul did. Throw up your hands and say, forget it and walk off and find some other congregation, but he stuck with it. And by the time 2 Corinthians comes around, 2 Corinthians is what to do when the dust settles. First Corinthians was chew them out, yell, scream, did all the things that Paul did. And in second Corinthians, he's finally all the slapping around, they, they caught on, they understood. And so second Corinthians is a lot of adjusting the congregation, getting them back on track. And I simply say this, you think your church has got problems? Nowhere near what the New Testament churches had, and especially those that Paul had, especially again, Corinthians. So if God could do that in that church, he can certainly work in your church to stick with the word of God, walk in love, walk in strength, say no to the gainsayers, those that try to rebel, but say yes to those who have hungry hearts. Keep your eyes on the good ones, not on the bad ones, because you keep your eyes on the good ones, you'll begin to understand this thing really is working. If you keep your eyes on the bad one, it look like nothing is ever working. Paul used his relationship with God to lift up other people's needs. His spiritual relationship with God was also used for practical things. God's grace doesn't just get you through the new birth and get you into the Christian life. He gives you practical things every day. God wants to be in the physical things you do, your work, your family, the problems you have. He wants, he and the Holy Spirit want to get in and help you solve these problems. And that comes from, again, understanding the importance of the word of God, understanding spiritual growth. And in this particular one we're talking about, Paul laid out this prayer for the Corinthians, speaking to them about maturity and growing up in the things of God. Paul also used his praise life for others' benefits. He just didn't praise God for things he had. He praised God for people's advancement. When he saw them growing in the things of God, because basically comes back to this, God doesn't prosper self-centeredness. He doesn't prosper self-centered people. Now it's all right to desire the things of life, but what's your goal in getting it? You know, uh, the Bible talks about wisdom. She has two hands in the right hand is length of days in the left hand's riches and honor. And we're told in uh, Joshua's book, don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Don't get so involved following God that you get caught up in the things he provides and not see the purpose for things. Why does he give long life? So that you can be here long enough to witness to other people and enjoy life. Why does he give prosperity? Not for you to go buy cars and big homes, although that's that's okay if your Lord things are on the Lord first and the bottom of your priority list is these things for yourself. But when you seek things for other people and you look at them as better than yourselves, you lift them up and uh, you lift them up and simply say, there comes a time when I actually see people, others better than myself. 
He simply says, in that case, you'll find out that the purpose of prosperity is to spread the gospel, be a benefit to others, give to the poor, and take care of other people. That's the purpose of prosperity. When you begin to see that, then you can have finances because you're not self-centered. You can have long life because you're not self-centered. God will meet all these things when your priorities are right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Philippians 2.4 says, look not every man on his own things, but every man all also on the things of others. And this is what spiritual maturity brings. This is what Paul's prayer was for the Corinthians. They would grow out of their self-centeredness because every sin you commit comes back to one thing, putting yourself higher than everyone around you, often higher than God himself. So things had changed in Corinth and mainly not for the better, yet Paul's affection for them had not changed. In fact, it had actually grown. And in the midst of all their trials, afflictions, and stupidity, and the things they said, wrangling among themselves, fighting to be spiritual king of the mountain. One said, I'm a Paul division. Another, I'm of Apollos. Another of this one. And the really spiritual one said, well, I'm of Christ. And it simply came back to it again. It doesn't matter who's in the pulpit as long as they're preaching and teaching the word of God. That's the most important thing. Get your eyes off personalities and get that on the word of God that they teach. I can tell you this. There's times I've been to certain church services and especially ministers conferences and they'll introduce the next speaker and I think, well, you know what? I've heard him before. He really, he really didn't minister to me. In fact, I disagree with some things, but you know what? I've purposely opened up my heart and said, Lord, I'm going to receive something today. And that guy will speak on something that just literally changed my life. And I still use his stuff today. There's one I'm particularly thinking of that I thought, I, I don't particularly like him. That sermon was mesmerizing. I began to see the anointing that was on him. And I had to suddenly stop and thank God. God doesn't look on people like I do. And God doesn't say, well, you don't agree with everything exactly true with the word of God, which Bob does it. I've still got a long way to go. And so by hearing them and understanding them, I begin to grow in the things of God. You have to open yourself up. And that's why Paul was saying, look, every one of these guys might be different, but we're all here to do one thing, edify Jesus Christ, get him into your life, and next of all, make mature believers out of you. Paul's thanksgiving to God came from his remembrance on their salvation experience and he said that in verse four, I thank my God upon your behalf for the grace of God, which is given to you by Jesus Christ. Grace begins with salvation and then goes into every other aspect of your life. If grace can save us, it can deliver us and bring us into full maturity. Despite their actions, grace has not been removed or recalled. God, who began a good work in you, will continue to complete it as he did in the Corinthians, in which many went on to be tremendous servants of God, and the church became a very effective church, despite the carnality that was experienced there right after Paul came and preached and taught to them. This is found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the God who begins a good work in you will also complete it. Then in verse five here of this particular chapter, it says that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in, in all knowledge. Paul is praying this prayer for them. He wants them to be enriched in every area of the Christian life in word and also in deed and in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace that brings salvation also brings maturity. Titus told us this in chapter two, verse 11 and 12, the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, and to live soberly and righteously in this present evil world. God doesn't only want to save you from sin. He wants to save you from sinning.
It's time for the Corinthians to be enriched in all things as it is in your own life. They've excelled in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in utterance and knowledge, and now they need to mature in so many other areas. So gifts produce service, but they don't produce sanctification. They excelled in the gifts, but they were so immature. They were babies. The Corinthians abounded more in the gifts than in any other area and any other church, but yet Paul told the Corinthians had to teach them of the proper use of the gifts of the Spirit. They're from the Holy Spirit. They're given for the mutual benefit of everybody. They're to be exercised in an orderly manner. The gifts are given for edification. They are to be desired, but not as much as living the life of love, sanctification, knowledge of the word of God and service to other people. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, he says in verses six and seven, so that you came behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said that's based on the testimony of the new birth. Now wait patiently for the coming of the Lord and that will be soon. So if you wanna grow, look at the grace given to you at the new birth. It'll carry you into maturity and will carry you right up until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul said here to the Corinthians is still in effect today. In other words, if you wanna pray a prayer for people that you're discouraged over, that you sometimes wanna throw in the towel, throw up your hands and walk off and leave, look what Paul said to probably the most carnal congregation in the New Testament and Paul's perseverance caused them to turn around. We will see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.